Hello, and welcome to Gamer's Table, a podcast discussion of tabletop role-playing games, war games, movies, books, and various other game-related topics. Be warned, this show contains explicit material that may not be suitable for all audiences. Hello and welcome to Gamer's Table. My name is Eric. This is Mike. This is Dan. This is Mark. This is Jason. This week we're going to talk about one of our favorite uh, campaign worlds. Mike's favorite campaign world. Mike's favorite. No. I, I think mine that, too. Yeah, I, I would I would agree with that. It's like being married to a vegetarian. It makes you vegetarian too. <laughs> and that is the world of Greyhawk. Disclaimer: This will be an all D and D topic, probably. Oh, so. I'm sure we can. Well, we can work we can in. Not. We can work yeah. in some things. See where this goes. This is not, definitely not scripted. I'm sure we'll deviate at some point. We so. may even talk about the D and D movie at some point. Great. Was that no. set in Greyhawk? No. I, no, I think so. Which is why, <laughs> which is why we will not talk about that abortion of a movie. It's not happening. Oh man, I think uh, you mean abomination. No abortion. I meant abortion. No, it was like they actually it made that to the theaters. You know, yeah. It wasn't well, aborted. It should I, have been. I thought it had been aborted, and that was the result. I would just like lived. to point out, we already did it. Mission accomplished. Well done. <laughs> already did what? We already about deviated it. from... Uh, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> we, are, we started on a tangent. That's, that's great. I would also like to point out, before we actually get started, that uh, the D&D movie, the best part about that was the card that they gave me and when I walked in the door to watch the movie. It, was a, it wasn't like a collectible card game. It was just a card. Yes. It was some character from Dragonlance, and that was the best part of that whole movie. Yeah, I figured I had to go see it because otherwise I would have had to turn in my nerd card. You, you got to support it in the hope that one day they will do it right. Because if you don't support it, they'll never even try. Granted. Well, I don't know. That first Fantastic Four movie was obviously really bad. They still managed to make two more that were just as No, bad. It, it made money. That's that's my point. If it makes money, they'll they'll try it again I see. and okay. give them another chance. I don't right. think the first one made anything. Hey, back on topic. Right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> So, yes, the World of Greyhawk, Mike. Give us a little bit of a rundown. When was the World of Greyhawk actually started as the, the main world? When did they start calling it the World of Greyhawk? Because before it was essentially just uh, an ad hoc world when all the first adventures came out. When did they actually f- start calling it Greyhawk? Okay, the background on it is Gary Gygax home campaign was originally just one massive dungeon crawl, Castle Greyhawk. He uh, wrote about it often his home campaign in Dragon Magazine, and a lot of the readers grew more and more interested in his campaign, his homebrew world, encouraged, you know, pestered, re- requested, whatever, him to actually publish this. So then he had to expand upon it. it somewhere late 70s, 1980, I think, when they first actually published what was then The World of Greyhawk, mm-hmm. which is a, kind of a misnomer because the world is not called Greyhawk. So you're saying the proliferation of Greyhawk was fan-based? Correct. So people have been interested in other people's campaigns pretty much since the dawn of D&D. Uh, at that time, everyone was doing homebrew. There was no published settings. Uh, a lot of the early, uh, I think you mentioned it, the early modules. Right. Uh, the early convention modules were tentatively set in the world of Greyhawk. So they took all these sources, kind of pulled them together, and uh, that was the skeleton of the setting that started. Because Dave Arneson's Blackmore was made part of Greyhawk, correct? 
or part of uh, it? Right, right. Uh, Gygax and Arneson are co-creators. His Blackmore campaign was a campaign, I guess, that they ran at the same time. And the Blackmore then that they put into the published Greyhawk setting is more of an homage, if anything, to Arneson's game world. And there are published now published settings for uh, Blackmore out there as well. Let me kind of interject here. For those of our listeners who are not familiar with there, are, there may be some who are not familiar with D&D at all. Gary Gygax, of course, is the founder of D&D, and Arneson is, co-creator. is a co-creator. They were same gaming group, I guess you could say, to put it plainly. Okay, over. Id Greenwood was a uh, big contributor to Dragon Magazine around the same time Gygax was still uh, heavy with uh, the uh, company doing D&D, and uh, a lot of Greenwood's articles followed the same path to uh, creation that Gygax did, and that's how the fans really liked Greenwood's work. They want to know more about his home campaign, and that's how Forgotten Realms was made. Same, so same a, origin. Yeah, it's a, it's a common theme. People want to hear about this. As lame as we think it is hearing about people's bullshit homebrew, people love to talk about their homebrew. It's different when it's in print. Exactly. Yeah. Mike, you started running D&D in the early 80s with some of the established campaign or the established adventures. Right. And that kind of segued into our playing in the world of Greyhawk. Since then, you've been a contributor to the online community. You've mm-hmm. done quite a few things, you know, your artwork and, and things like that, help, helping to further the world of Greyhawk. You I, even had a couple articles published in Dragon, am I correct? No, uh, I had not. No, I, mean, I had letter, letters, letters published. Hey, close yeah. enough. Yeah, that's as close as I got. That's uh, more than me. It's understandable that you have a personal investment in the world of Greyhawk. So, And I know that it, we tease you a lot about you need to move on and things like that. Uh, one of the reasons I wanted to do this show was because I wanted you to be able to defend that. Because we, we Why Greyhawk? Yeah, why, why Greyhawk? Why not try something different? And I know you have in the past, uh, but it always seems to go back to Greyhawk. Right. Um, I'd like to discuss our personal feelings about going back to the world of Greyhawk. I know that uh, Dan and Mark are not really personally invested that much, but Jason no. and I are with years of previous campaigns and things like that. We own it. Is it something where moving on to another campaign would be more appealing to you guys because there's not that baggage of our previous campaigns to weigh down? things we have a tendency to whenever we play bring up old campaigns we do it on this show is that something that you think that would be a reason why you you know you're like uh greyhawk eh. it's a setting to play in for me is really just kind of you know it's a setting to play in i don't particularly care what world it's set in as long as the game is interesting to me to me the progression of our campaigns don't feel as natural as they would be because you guys are so steeped in it you know what i'm saying right do you You know the regions do you feel like an outsider looking in no i don't care about that whenever you have groups of first level characters it it, it harkens back to our meta gaming episode yeah you you can't Mm -hmm. separate your previous knowledge from it so it it takes the campaign in directions that it may or may not have gone in had it been a more organic I, I see what you're saying. Um, for me, I think personally that the world of Greyhawk is like putting on an old pair of shoes. You know, it's very That's comfortable. That's a good analogy. Yeah. Kind of smelly. <laughs> very no, my, ragged, ragged, torn. No, no, just something that you know. It's like I've walked in these shoes and I've done all these things, and putting on these shoes, it feels like it's right. See, and to me, I, I look at that the complete opposite way. If you're that familiar with something, you need to move on and, right. and grow and do something new. Right, and well, we create we, create new memories. Don't try to relive previous ones. Right, and it's hard. It, it really well, is because you know when we you do when you do do something familiar, you have a tendency to try and relive that, and we all are 
pretty much in agreement that trying to rehash the past is not necessarily a good idea. Paying homage to the past is a good idea. Creating new things is always much more interesting than rehashing old things. So I was uh, talking to some people in the community about this uh, podcast we were going to work on. One of the topics that came up was, as usual, what's the differences between Greyhawk and other game settings? Right, what What, sets apart makes it Why do people, uh, you know prefer Greyhawk. That's one thing I've never even really particularly understood is like the difference between Greyhawk and say Forgotten Realms is fairly minimal from my observation of the two. However, Ravenloft right. is definitely like more of a horror setting. Yeah. There are some hardcore people out there just gnashing their teeth at you right now. Well, fuck them. What do they know? <laughs> well, then that's the thing. You know, it's if you know the differences, then it would bother you. But if somebody who's just a casually playing or really, like you said, Mark, you don't really get that involved in the setting, right. then it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. And you're looking at two fantasy worlds, uh, Forgotten Realms and Greyhawk, and going, well, which one do I want to play in? And it really doesn't matter. I think the difference between Forgotten Realms and Greyhawk, granted, I've not played a lot of Forgotten Realms. I've played very minimal. But to me, the, the difference is... Forgotten Realms is overdeveloped. That's a popular opinion. Online. Whereas Greyhawk is more of a, this is the framework, now you fill in the blanks. But in our group, Greyhawk is very, I very agree. developed. No, you're right, you're right. Yeah, I think uh, that... Got the, the Micropedia over there. That comparison has kind of worn down, and like Mark's saying, there is very slight difference. Digging around online, I was looking for some forum threads and on this discussion, and... Uh, I really only found two true differences left between the the, uh, the two, and one is Forgotten Realms has a, a rabid novel line that goes with it, which Greyhawk tried to have but failed miserably. They didn't have the cash cow characters. Right. Nobody saw Drizzt or Dritz or however you want to pronounce right. it. Nobody saw that character coming out of the woodwork the way that he did. Yeah. I don't think he was supposed to be no. the breakout character. No, no, it's it's the it's the Boba Fett be, syndrome. It's supposed to be Wolfgar, right? Yeah. So I'm sure there's people out there who read Forgotten Realm novels and have never actually played in the setting. You know, maybe not even play D&D. They just read it because it's already Salvatore or whatever. So Greyhawk can't say the same. There are novels, but anyone who reads like Gygax's novels are most likely also Greyhawk gamers. They're doing what like you did. You were scouring it for some nuggets of information. Whatever I can get out of it. Now, what my recollection of this is quite fuzzy, but wasn't there some Greyhawk novels written by someone who absolutely did not know the setting at all? Some woman. Andre Norton. Andre Norton's novel actually came out, I think, before yes. the setting was published. Yep. And that's that's Which is remarkable because that was Better Greyhawk than what you're talking about, which is uh, Rose Estes. Uh, is that the one who uh, I cast? A, or he cast a seventh level spell and all that stuff. Yeah, a lot of yeah, terrible the, using writing, almost like metagame game, knowledge yeah, in a, in a novel. Speed. Fireball, fireball. Yeah. <laughs> and I think so well, glad yeah. I don't read D and D books. So, but a lot of the Forgotten Realms books are taken very seriously, and I think that if someone were to write a really good novel set in Greyhawk right now. I think that would spark a lot of interest in the setting. Generally, people who are not gamers are not going to be interested in the world of Greyhawk, like you said, but are, you know, okay, I'll, I'll read a book about Forgotten Realms because there's a fucking shitload of them. Well, possibly. Uh, there is a set of Greyhawk fans out there who uh, believe only uh, stuff written by Gygax is credible. Also, oh, purists. So that ship is flown. You know, That's almost like this, for them. the same people who, yeah. like you, Dan, who think that right. uh, only the George Lucas Star Wars is the real Star Wars. Agreed. Uh, at, le- at least from when Vader was born on. I mean, whatever episode one starts, that's when, <clears throat> I believe, canon 
Star Wars starts for me. <laughs> I can respect people who who only want Guy Gax's work to be to be their campaign. It was his campaign. Right. You know, I, I totally understand that. But now Greyhawk is a community driven. Greyhawk right. would be a ghost to to everyone were it not for the community. Yeah, that, it's, it's that's no lo- actually uh, leads into my second point. Yeah, it's no longer owned. By Mike, have you prepared notes? Oh my yes, God. I told you notes. I was looking up on. Uh, I was looking crap. for him. I, I have one thing I got to read. Wow, I prepared. feel I feel totally <laughs> lame. So this was my second main difference between. Greyhawk and other settings coming off of the uh, EN World Forums, a post by my good friend and colleague Malden from Canada, and he says that main difference between Greyhawk and other worlds is fan contributions, which is what we were talking about. Just to paraphrase, he say he says that uh, Greyhawk, unlike any other D and D setting, has been written the published works, mind you. Now I'm not even talking about the communities that you know I, I write for writers like Eric Mona. Gary Holian, Steve Greer, uh, Robert Mullen, Joe Block, so forth. They all started out as fans of Greyhawk, then later got into the industry, wrote articles for Dragon or for TSR or Wizards or whatever, and that even carried on into Living Greyhawk, where then you have hundreds, even maybe thousands of adventures have been written by fans. So the weight, you know, so if you just piled up side by side all the uh, stuff that's written for Greyhawk, versus Forgotten Realms or Eberron or whatever. Nearly all of it, I would say, for Greyhawk is fan-written, whereas here lately... Uh, so I've, I've been playing a fanfic for all this all correct. this time, Mike? From Gygax to present, it's all fanfic. That's, <laughs> that's the itch I've never been yeah. able to scratch. <laughs> He's put Some, a name to it. Something so, doesn't feel right. Yeah, so the uh, the crux of his uh, Malden's point is that... I'm playing Shadowrun and nothing else from now on. <laughs> Grey, Greyhawk is... A fan-driven setting, it always was and you know, always shall be. And uh, I guess that's sort of why I do what I do. Because you feel you are contributing to the world itself. In a small way, yes. In a small way. And why not? Why not in a big way? Well, yeah. Why don't you publish that? Actually, well, I don't. I, I'm not one to pat my own back, Dan, but I uh, do well, contribute in, a, then, hold on, right? hold in a in a big way. I'll pat Mike on the back. He's way Mike, over there. Mike though. does a lot of work in the online community. Mike has published lots of articles online. I know. Your particular dot com. I know your particular area of interest seems to be the Ull region. Yes, the land of all. The land of all. The poor little country that no one else. That no one ever. No one else writes about. Shit about. Uh, yeah, well, sometimes you got to carve out yeah. your own niche. That's I have a five-year-old uh, web uh, Greyhawk web comic that I still do semi-regularly. Right. In addition to the Greyhawkery blog, which is greyhawkery.blogspot.com. right? Thank which you. we we have a permanent link to yes. on the website. Something that you were talking about before, being you know fan driven and things like that, uh, reminds me of a time when on Wizards' website and on their forum, they at one point made it completely illegal to discuss the novels on their website when it comes that. when yeah. it comes to yeah. uh, Forgotten Realms. Yeah, you get uh, banned nope. or something. That I, was I, the uh, free sleeve on. Sleeve on, right? Yes. Sleeve on and scoob. Sl- yes. Yeah, sleeve on. I I, I fabricated a, an entire. Uh, Story about a uh, a player who got banned from our, a game whose name was Sleevon, which is of course novels spelled backwards, and uh, went on a whole thing and had people saying that's wrong, that's wrong, thinking we were talking about that, taking it literally, and it was it was really just a uh, protest against the the website itself. Uh, it eventually all, all, they, all Wizards was really doing was covering up for 
bad writers. Yeah, and that's correct? exactly right. right. And and the and the funny thing yeah. was was at the time I was telling Mike all about this as I was doing it, and he just laughed and said, "If you go on to the yeah. the the Greyhawk board on Wizards, you could talk about whatever you want because nobody moderates it, or if they yeah. do moderate it, they're, yeah. they're not going to moderate that. They're not yeah. going to worry about the small stuff like that. But on Forgotten Realms, it was so huge because so many people were disenfranchised by the novels because it kept changing canon every, you know, every time a new novel would come out and people were getting upset about it and and rather than listening to their fans they just you know la, just, la, 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 buy our votes so and uh, they did people did not people were voting with their mouth not with their wallet wizards yeah. companies any company doesn't care what the fuck you say as long as you're still coughing up the money right which people continue to do so i i see what you're saying where i stopped buying star wars books that leads into another uh, a long time ago Maybe on a, t- a tangent of that, Dan, it leads into another strength of Greyhawk is uh, they did this in 3rd edition and they're still doing it in 4th edition even more blatantly. And uh, it's that Wizards of the Coast still uses Greyhawk source material in their default uh, books without acknowledging where it comes from. And that just goes to show how good Greyhawk is that they can't let it go. And you're you talking, know, you're they talking want, about, you know, you're talking about you, know, names. you want me to let it go, no, they no, won't no. let it go. You're talking yeah. about name spells, right? Any, no, we're, we're talking about names names of modules. Gods. Like, yeah, the gods. NPCs, gods. But here, here's the thing, Mike. They most certainly could whenever they get to the point where we, we realize that this these parts of our community are not buying anything and it just so happens that maybe it's Greyhawk people who didn't move on to fourth edition things like, right. well we officially do not care about this line anymore and they can start from scratch. Because they have to do something to get new players in. Nobody new starting out is gonna play Greyhawk because well, I it's agree kind there. Of, it's kind of a gated community. It's it, you, you, you know, you're dating yourself if you, you're a great. Not only player, that, sure. but I mean, it goes back to the novels. Also, if you wanted to try to steep yourself in Greyhawk knowledge, and you are of the mindset that published material is the way to do it, you can't do it with Greyhawk. I, Otherwise, you're playing somebody else's homebrew campaign. If you went on Cannon Fire as a new player, you would feel like you're you're pillaging somebody else's homebrew campaign. I like the analogy of uh, Greyhawk is like a polygamist's ugliest wife. <laughs> you know, every once in a while he'll come in and bang her, but for the most part, she's pretty much left alone. She's the first wife; from, she's the boss from behind. Sorry, that too. <laughs> but I know from Big Love that the first wife is the boss. Well, she may be the I'm boss, saying. but she, you know, she's lost. Uh, she's lost interest of the man and a long she's time Jenny ago. Triple horn, so really, she's not that. Ugly. <laughs> she's not as good looking as Jennifer Goodwin, though. Just saying. Agreed. So Chloe's seventy is a horse. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, at what I was going to say, uh, for all the Wizards of the Coast executives who are listening right now, zero publishing anything Greyhawk will probably fail miserably. And now that you could, unless, and, and now that they're not listening anymore right. to all the other people, Paizo, uh, that could publish it, that would be successful at publishing it, I think it would kick much ass if they did. Well, they, no, I, they put, I, I think if they put a, if they put a. A new spin on it, put a bow on it. I think it'd be perfect. I, well, I, I think, think I think that ship has already sailed. Yeah. I don't think nobody has who no plays an that. established Greyhawk campaign is going to buy anything new. Nah, bullshit. I Unless I, it, I disagree, because I it could potentially true. invalidate all the work that they've done over the past well, God only knows how many years. Right? If they came nobody out with a brand new, if they shit on, if they came out with a brand new book that completely derailed everything that was established over the years and years online, I think that would razz off a lot of people. I think that if they released it in a, in a fourth edition format, that would razz off a lot of people there's, too. There's no, way you can, there's no way you can do this. 
you could pirate everything that's already out there, and then you got a bunch of lawsuits on your hands. They cannot go with established canon that the community has created. You just can't do it. Uh, which of you have seen my uh, latest blog entry? I believe I read it the, this the new the new th- my new theory on what Greyhawk's future is going to be. Oh, you're, oh talking, yeah. you're talking about the board game? Board game, yes. Yeah, right. Nah. It's a long shot, but... Good job. Some fucking friend you are. I subscribe no. to the feed, man. I get that pumped straight in. I forgot to mention the uh, that last topic about Greyhawk being uh, plundered for its uh, source material. That right. that Vault topic of- was uh, brought up by uh, one of our listeners, Argon. Bear right. suck. Vault of the drill. <laughs> yeah. Argon also, he posted on uh, forum. Not our, our forum, it's the Cannon Fire forum, but it's on our thread. Right. So what, we got, specifically, we got what specifically, Mike, has been pillaged not just like recently like as far as like fourth edition goes but going back like 25 years ago would it be pillaging 25 years ago sure wasn't it around Vault 25 of, years wasn't ago? vault of the drow intended for you mean what they're they using now well I'm, I'm talking about well specifically i know some things that were meant for greyhawk got transplanted oh okay and okay. put in forgotten oh, okay. like carter that, that old wasn't uh, wasn't yeah. carter specifically developed for greyhawk carter of course was the oriental lands. i am not a, an authority on right. that but and i think it, it was it got added taken from Greyhawk and Oriental Adventures was written by Gygax and then uh, until they co-opted the uh, Legend of the Five Rings and made that Oriental Adventures yeah, yeah somewhere the in there it got sucked up in uh, front rooms like Al-Kadim and everything else uh, yeah there are things that might have started out Greyhawk that other game worlds latched onto and did better or, well there was a um, time when I loved to argue with people online about uh people have a tendency to enjoy arguing online. that time was earlier well, today <laughs> yes. as recently no, I mean, as lunch no i mean specifically at the wizards website a few years ago it was always i mean for me it was always greyhawk versus forgotten realms you know and we we're of course vastly outnumbered there's far more realmers than there are hawkers but you know i would feel i would not want to be labeled a hawker I'm just going to say that we're a dying now. breed <laughs> apples quite literally found apples <laughs> yeah <laughs> I don't think that's what Dan was thinking of. No. no I think Dan was thinking of something Walker. else. What the fuck Something I like Phil about... <laughs> something I like about Greyhawk specifically. I know a little about Forgotten Realms. I know a little about Eberron. But something I like specifically about Greyhawk is there's different races of humans. Yeah, it... Uh... And, and it really gives a history to those. Um, if, if somebody's listening who knows more about Forgotten Realms, hey, post it. Put it on our website or something and, and straighten me out because I don't think any of the other, any of the other worlds, do, they don't have... Forgotten Realms does delve into the uh, analogs for Earth cultures just as much as Greyhawk does. Okay. I thought Greyhawk was a little more unique in their spin on the races, though. Uh, as far as... Hum- I mean, if... There's my... Greyhawk might be a little more uh, elaborated on, I don't know. Mm. But, uh, no, I, I don't think that's a great, great difference between the two settings. Mm. Uh, but we still have not answered the primary question. Why, why? Greyhawk? Why? What, why what is... Uh, remove, unless, unless this is the main reason... If your personal investment is the main reason why personal investment, that's the main reason. Okay, Uh, main reason. Right. No, that's not. That's I'll be number two. Okay. What's number one? Number one reason. I wish we had a drum roll tick right now. (laughs) Is uh, it's got to be nostalgia. It's uh, you know, it's it's the first thing you you got into. It's like seeing the first movie of a a series or something like that. It's the original. It's the best. It's what you started on. Mike, I, I don't know if you've met Dan, but Dan hates nostalgia. I, I kind of do. Yeah. A bit. And that's why I'm, I'm saying it looking at him. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, you know, 
I, I don't – to me, tradition for the sake of tradition is no reason to continue a tradition. There's, there there needs to me for me there needs to be a compelling reason like this there there needs to be something about the system or about the world that's compelling let because me, I don't have that community personal investment in it so then that's up to each individual DM to make it compelling. Let me put it in a different perspective from my point of view. Let me put it in a shadow run perspective. Okay. I prefer to run Shadowrun based in Seattle. I've ran it mm. all over the yeah. other places, and Seattle always seems like it's the best place. I to agree. Yeah. I, 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 I understand agree. why. Seattle feels right. Yeah, I've done it in Denver. I've done you know world hopping things like that. Well, okay, truth be told, Shadowrun is Seattle. There were a few source books dedicated to these other places, but that that was it. There was a Denver source book. There was a Gen- Germany source book. Tiernanog. Oh, there was there was a lot, dude. There was, but there was only but there was, only, but there was only one book. Stuff. Everything else that isn't a specific area is assumed to be Seattle. I think that's in, where the, in core the first world was. in the first edition, yes. But as yeah. as it expanded, uh, it became the rule set became much more generic, and you would buy into certain regions and things like that. The uh, organized campaigns. St- the first one started in Seattle moved on to Denver, and then this latest one is all set in New York City. I think that's a good idea to relocate, but personally, we have such a history with Seattle that if I, we're, we're, you know, we're playing, and I'm running in Denver, somebody always says, well, what's the equivalent of the Redmond Barons? What's the equivalent of Puyallup or Bellevue? They, they start rattling off Seattle things because that's what's familiar. And, you know, Everything seems like a cheap knockoff because everything goes back to that. Everything's and I think compared through the Seattle lens, but that but if they devoted as much time and as many source books to Denver as they did Seattle, you wouldn't have this. It's problem. fucking Denver. <laughs> Denver rocks, man. Denver came out with cores and the Broncos. That's it. Well, we're talking about in the future things can happen. <laughs> I, hate to, I hate to point it out, but there's the Avalanche too. Uh, I, don't, I, I I disagree. <laughs> <laughs> So, and then to bring it back to, to Greyhawk, yes. I think I feel the same for way. For a good Greyhawk. decade, from I'll say roughly 1980 and 1990, everything that was published in a book, be it a spell, magic item, whatever, it was all Greyhawk centric. So it's kind of the same with Eric's analogy of Seattle. So everything that was written for it was for that setting. Essentially, in in Mike's defense, and this is the, what's going on said here. We're not no, I don't to, think Mike needs defending. This is not yeah. a. Well, I'm defending you know. him because he's one of my oldest friends. Sure. I'm, I'm not sure and, he's and under I, attack at all. And I, feel that, I feel that you're being awfully aggressive. The first campaign world we played in when we first played together in seventh grade was not Greyhound. No. It was the Karamikos. Right. Or is that Mistara? Is that correct? Uh, yeah, that's what I mean, the world's what it is, called. That's what it is now. We or? were playing the basic box right, right. expert, which I th- I'm not sure who uh, wrote that. And I still remember the first time I walked into Eric's apartment and saw the Darlene maps laid out on the table, and I was—I I fell in love right there. It was like, boom, yeah, this, that's, is it. Uh, this is what I want to do. That's point number three. Yeah. I forgot about that. The maps. Yeah, the maps. The simplicity of it compared to maps today, the, the hand-drawn quality of it. If you took a poll right now on Wizards, it would probably be the most loved map in uh, D&D. And, and that's one of the things I was getting... My point about uh, Forgotten Realms is it's overdeveloped. I mean, I, I love looking at... I love maps, period. But if you look at the Forgotten Realms map, it's just ridiculously busy. But it wasn't I mean, was, always that way. When well, uh, sure. the first 
the gray they called the gray box came right. out for Forgotten Realms. It came with these maps, and I lorded over that and you know read it, looked over it like anything else. Had Greyhawk continued and to be as successful as Forgotten Realms did, that's what you would have today. Well, maybe Forgotten maybe Greyhawk would have been had they not introduced Forgotten Realms. Well, yeah, Realm. I mean, yeah, you can, but we've already blamed that on the community, so you have nothing but yourselves to blame. I don't use the overdeveloped I blame on society. Because <laughs> Do I, I don't use the overdeveloped uh, comparison anymore. Because if you throw, like I said, if you throw in all the living Greyhawk stuff that's been written out for the uh, setting, it, it would just bury Forgotten Realms. Really? Yes. Well, well, they ran that for a very long time. Uh, yeah, it was about seven years, I think. I thought it was longer than that. It might have been. I, I, we None of us actually played in, in the campaign regularly. Uh, Just a few times at a time. Right. Yeah. We always had a good time. But I know, I know a lot of people in that community, and it was a worldwide thing. Like, people in Finland are, were, are, were really rabid about Greyhawk. Uh what other countries are in England? So yeah, uh, the map would be a big uh, reason why keep playing uh, Greyhawk. And uh, for fourth main reason, uh, I think Eric already uh, brought up it's the uh, old shoe feeling. When I say okay, let's play Greyhawk, I don't have to explain the world like I would if I came in here and said, all right, let's play Eberron. Or why would you have to explain a world? Well, okay, let me. I can give you an example of that. I recently ran a homebrew campaign and i have all these ideas for this game world it's a, essentially a fantasy setting i'm not going to go into any deep, but i wanted to set it apart from you know other campaigns and things like that i wanted to introduce racism again because dnd used to be racist it's not anymore uh, i wanted to introduce an element of that out of some some real world you know i i'd recently been studying the 1960s and the the, the uh, racial equality and things like that civil I, rights movement and i took I, that ball and ran with it yeah so I, w- I wanted to instill that but i also it's it was completely a home created world so i had to explain things you don't think that you could have conveyed that not explaining it but allowing that to come out through character interactions well uh, it, it really did he didn't yeah, he didn't that's what i'm like, saying i don't think i don't think i didn't expound on everything the world I, doesn't need explained he didn't give us a you know 400 page almanac about you know this no, is why but, but i i did have to lay some ground rules because i i wanted it to flow a certain way if i just said okay we're playing a fantasy setting then all of a sudden all the you know the elves and the dwarves and the gnomes are all holding hands and you know buddy fucking each other well but you didn't have to explain that to have that not be the case well the other problem you run into dan is if you don't explain things too well then you're leaving your players to fill in the holes right and then maybe that player does something that you don't really want him to do to your campaign world well, i well, is it the game master's campaign or is it the players this I is think, a, this is an underlying well theme in my case it was a homemade campaign so i came out saying from the beginning this is a homemade campaign but i want player input if you want to come up with minor details i i've i've laid the groundwork if you want to bring up minor details and mold the world and help me with that, I'm completely cool with it. That And the reason I did that was because you can't do that with an established setting. So I, I thought it would be fun. Aha, where well, you've hit a nerve finally. What? You have less freedom with established worlds. 
you are you are working within the confines of someone else's predetermined idea of what the world is. And well, especially when you have a community-driven campaign or a world like Greyhawk, you, you're adhering to other people's ideas. Yeah, some, I'm glad you said that because there's... You're adhering to you know the things that they've added to the campaign, not necessarily... Well, you can't take over Greyhawk City in your campaign because we did that in our campaign. Yeah, right. Yeah, that don't go. Yeah. I'm glad, I'm glad this is brought up. A couple of weeks ago, we were talking about technology and gaming, and uh, I think, Dan, you brought it up where you said, you know, uh, we could plug in a, any world and, and you could run a game online, and you said, Mike, you could have a game with all the Cannon Fire guys. Yeah. And I thought about that, and I thought, would that really work? No, it wouldn't. Because if you have <laughs> not, a not whole bunch of people... Specific. Right. I mean, I think the reason why Greyhawk works for us is because Mike has the knowledge. We have some background knowledge. But if you have eight guys who are living, breathing, we talked about it before with Star Trek. Yeah. It's people who know so much about the setting, they would be pointing out faults oh, yeah, in the, the things that you Metagaming, do. then. Yeah, that's what, yeah. you but can I'd never be, run Star Trek with scouts around. But I'd be standing behind him with a baseball bat and smack him in the head whenever they disrespect but him. It, but it's online. It's online, you'd so you'd have, to, you'd have to go be like uh, uh, Jay and Silent Bob in oh. their house. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm sorry. I thought we were talking about real life. No. You are the that ball is lickers. Real life. <laughs> you are the ball lickers. <laughs> oh, yeah. Canon <laughs> arguments is, yeah, that's always going to be a downside of uh, any community is uh, arguing over official... You know, setting material. especially when we, you've had nothing for how long now? I mean, you you the all length of people, fourth edition. Yes. What if you're only taking Gary Gygax's canon for okay. Greyhawk? Right. When was the last time you got anything? When did he die? <laughs> no, no, that would be when he got he out of the company. company. Yeah. yeah, right. Around, well, I don't know. Some people accepted the stuff that he was doing for uh, what was it? Legendary Adventures. Right. Weren't they accepting well, that as Well, yeah, yeah. Right canon? up to his death, he was still right. writing pseudo-Greyhawk stuff. And see, that's the funny thing. Yeah, for them, TSR or Wizards canon stopped at some point. But those people still were following Greyhawk stuff as if it were official or writing their own stuff, too. There's jumping off points. For any community that's as old as Greyhawk, there's jumping off points. So they, you know, the fan community fractures. So you're saying that's where that's where the debate comes up is yeah. people got off at different points. Yeah, usually you know they get off uh, where Gygax left the company, or they got off at uh, when third edition started. You know, the fourth edition started. Yeah, that's perfectly acceptable, I think. Okay. All right, Mike. Do you have any uh, any closing statements before we wrap this up? Uh, any topics that maybe you didn't get a chance to bring up? I'm sure this is only uh, part one of uh, like part one, one of eight. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. No, I think that'll do for now. We'll see uh, what kind of in, uh, feedback we get. Yeah, uh, Cannon Fire guys, thanks for listening. Hey, and uh, if you got some points you want to bring out, you know, fire them off. Give them to give them to Mort here, or you can uh, put them on our website or whatever you like. You tweet us. You can Facebook us. Yeah, we're, we're out there. We're out there. All right. Well, thanks for joining us. See you next week. Greyhawk rules. Follow us on Twitter. We are at Gamers Table, and like us on Facebook. You have been listening to Gamers Table, brought to you by Side Tangent Productions. Visit us at www.gamerstable.com. Products and intellectual property discussed during this podcast are the properties of their respective owners. This production is for entertainment purposes only. Any commercial broadcast is prohibited without the express consent from Side Tangent Productions.